Welcome to the podcast of Medora Pentecostal Church. We are a growing community of believers committed to bringing hope and building lives. We pray today's message is a blessing to you. We're going to go to Exodus 23 and 19. Today we're going to talk on the subject of mixed materials. We're going to talk about purity. We're going to talk about distinction. We're going to talk about value. We're going to talk about purpose this morning. And when we talk about mixed materials, materials being the makeup of who you are. More importantly, the makeup of who God has made you to be. Everything that you are, every piece of your life is a piece of material making you who you are and I who I am. Everything you listen to, everything you watch, everything that you partake in, every relationship that you have for good or bad on all of these accounts is a part of your material. It's a part of your makeup. It's a part of who God is making you to be. So this morning when we're talking about materials, that's what we're talking about. We're talking about pieces of who you are, pieces of what God has made you to be, and maybe somewhere along pieces we have put in that don't belong. Exodus 23 and 19, For the first of the first fruits of thy land thou shalt bring into the house of the Lord thy God. Thou shalt not seethe a kid in his mother's milk. Not seethe a kid in his mother's milk. Today, with the help of the Lord, we're going to talk on mixed materials. Let's pray right now. God, I thank you. Thank you for an opportunity to come and to hear your word. Thank you for an opportunity to deliver it. I pray you would anoint our hearts, anoint our minds, anoint our ears. God, that we can receive every word that you have for us this morning. God, I pray you would anoint me as an instrument, God. All glory and all honor would be unto you. God, for you are the one that can change lives. You are the one that can deliver the word in a timely manner. God, I pray, God, that you would be exalted this morning through the word and through the reception of it. God, we thank you, Lord, today for an opportunity to serve you. Lord, we praise you in Jesus' name. Everyone said amen as you're seated. There's a couple of scriptures we're going to read today that we'll be quite honest. Some scriptures that when we read them, you just kind of skip over because it's part of your daily reading, right? You just read it and you're like, no idea what that means, but I read the word today. <laughs> Not seething a kid in mother's milk is one of those that I would do that towards. Until a couple of years ago, I heard it described, and we'll talk about that later. But a seething description, what does it mean to seethe? A kid in his mother's milk. The process of when someone takes a pot of milk that comes from a mother goat. So they take this mother goat, they take her milk, and they put it in this pot or whatever container vessel that they had at that point. And they would bring that milk to a boil. They would just heat it up. Then they would place the kid goat, the offspring of that mother, that it was her milk in that vessel. And then they would place that kid in that milk until the entirety of that goat from until the entirety of the kid goat and the milk from the mother were one until you couldn't distinguish of the substance what was the mom and what was the kid until you couldn't distinguish 
what was meat, what was hair, what was flesh, what was bone, and what was milk. I know I've seen some faces. It's pretty disgusting. I'm sorry we're starting there. If, if you feel really perturbed, just take that up with, in prayer because I obviously didn't want to start here. You couldn't pick out the distinction of what was what. It was boiled, it was seethed until it was all one substance. It was no longer a kid, goat, and milk. It was a stew. It was this pot of one substance. There's a three-part reasoning that I'm finding of why God was prohibiting this process to his people. First, it was as part of their dietary regulations that were given to the Jews. They were to not cook meat and milk together. They were not to eat meat that was cooked with milk, and they were not to receive any benefit from such a concoction. God instructed them not to do these certain things. So it was part, first off, it was part of their dietary restrictions from God. Secondly, from Dr. Cudworth, he had a comment on the Karite Jew, which is the description of this particular area. Seething was a custom from the ancient heathens, and I'm quoting here, was a custom from the ancient heathens. When they had gathered in all their fruits to take a kid goat and boil it in mother's milk, and then in a magical way to go about and sprinkle it on all their trees and their fields and their gardens and their orchards with, orchards with it, thinking by these means they should make them fruitful and bring forth more abundantly fruit in the following year. Wherefore, God forbade his people at the time of their ingathering to use any such superstitious or idolatrous rite, end quote. So it was a custom of the worldly culture they lived in to take this while they were gathering, while they were harvesting, and to make this such concoction and sprinkle it on all their fields, sprinkle it on anything that would yield fruit, thinking this was a form of worship to the idols that they had, and it would bring forth more fruit next year. So first said, God said, I don't want you to be a part of it because I don't want you to ingest that together. Secondly, he said, I don't want you to be a part of that because that's what everybody else does. That's what the world around you does. Thus, you won't be a part of it. Thirdly, Pastor Luke St. Clair talked about this, uh, this particular part of Scripture, this seething, uh, about, I don't know, several years ago at NYC. And in study for this, it was brought back to my memory, his, his lesson that was in this session. The process of seething was also prohibited by God for the two previous reasons, but also because when you take a young goat that is dead, you place it in that milk from its mother. The nursing milk, follow me here, we're almost to a conclusion with this section. The nursing milk of the mother, the milk that comes from the mother, provides and represents life. The dead goat represents death. So what we see here, the process of seething, is taking life and combining it with death. It's taking something that is alive and combining it to the point of undistinction, something that is dead. To take something that has life and to a point where you can't tell the difference between that life and death. You take it to this point of mixture where you can't tell the two apart. Romans 6.23 tells us the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. So God is telling us here in this third part that we see, God is telling us you're not to take what is life, what, is, uh, what has a future, 
and mix it with something of instant gratification. You're not to take something that is full of hope and mix it with something that is hopeless. You're not to take something that is full of joy and mix it with something that is not containing joy. Don't take something that is supposed to be peaceful and mix it with something that is full of despair. We wonder sometimes why in our lives we have such despair. It is because we're mixing materials that aren't meant to be mixed. We're taking something that contains life our relationship with God, we're mixing it with something that contains death, that is sin. We take these areas and we see them together in our lives. We take them to the point where you can't tell where one stops and the other begins. You can't tell where my relationship with God starts and my playlist begins. You can't tell where my relationship with God begins and my viewing history starts. You can't tell where my life that God gives me and the death that sin brings me are apart. You take them to this point where they're the same thing. And God says, I won't have that. I won't be mixed with death. I won't be mixed with hopelessness. I won't be mixed with despair. I refuse to have any gods before me. God tells us life must be separate from death. Who he has made you to be is separate. It is pure. The makeup that God has provided for you is exactly what he needs. He will refine it. He will mold it. But he doesn't want anything else added to mix with what is life. So let's talk about purity, the purity of your materials. Luke 5 and 36, no man putteth a piece of new garment upon an old. If otherwise, then both the new maketh a rent or a tear, and the piece that was taken out of the new agreeeth not with the old. So I'll be transparent again. This is another one of those verses that I was like, I don't know, but I can mark it off my list for the day. No man puts a piece of an old garment or a piece of a new garment on an old garment. What we see here when he says the garment doesn't agree with the old, where we find the Greek word symphoneo. And this is to be harmonious. This is to be in accord. This is to be suitable. This is to be together in agreements with. This is where we get our English word symphony taking many parts to one end entire whole. A harmonious uh, effect is forming a pleasing or consistent whole, a completeness. When one piece of a symphony is out of key, when one tiny instrument in one entire symphony is playing the wrong part, is off just enough, there's something in that that screams, I don't belong. Something in that that breaks symphony. It breaks harmony. It breaks what is supposed to be. If there's an area in your life, in your relationship with a God that doesn't line up, even in the slightest bit, it sticks out like a sore thumb. A consistent whole. Another thing about this word symphonio is that it's used here to call us to be consistent. It's used to call us to be complete. We must remember 99% obedience is still disobedience. 50-50 is still the wrong mixture. I'm not going to mix part of my life with part of the sin that's trying to grab a hold of me. And I hope that you'll be passionate about it this morning with me. I'm not trying to mix who I used to be with who God is trying to make me to be. I'm not going to try to turn around and look at where I have been to, instead of where I am going. And I can't pull them both with me. You can't pull them both with you this morning or any other time. You can't pull what you were and what you will be together. Because God says, I won't have it. You can have all of me, I can have all of you, or I'll have nothing. 
It is the options that we're given. So back to the scripture. If a woman sews a patch of new cloth on a piece of a garment that has been washed, this is where the issue lies. You know you have that favorite shirt that you wear that you just love, and then it gets washed one time, and it looks like it's your kid's shirt now. It just doesn't, it's not working. That's the issue here. The issue is the old garment that we see in Scripture, the old garment's been washed. It's been shrunk up. So when you have a tear that develops, you put a new piece of cloth on there. When you go to wash it, that old cloth is already shrunk. The new cloth hasn't been shrunk yet. It shrivels up and pulls away from the old. So where are you going? When something's been washed, it can't be mixed with something that ain't been washed. Y'all see where we're going? When something's been washed, it can't be mixed with something that hasn't been washed. Something that doesn't line up with what God says. Because you see, each and every one of us in our relationship with God, there's some things we left. There's some things that were washed. Some things that were wiped away. There was blood that was applied to my life to pull some things out. If I try to add those, new, those things back to me, mm -mm, no, it's going to tear me apart. Because I'm trying to mix life and death. I'm trying to mix sin and righteousness. I'm trying to mix God and hell. If we're being honest. We're trying to mix what we were and what we will be. We wonder sometimes why it hurts so bad. God, why are you tearing me apart? Why does it feel like there's so many areas in my life that are just tearing me apart? Why does it feel like I can't decide on anything? Why does it feel like I can't see one specific vision for my purpose? Why does it feel like I don't know where I'm going? Why does it feel like I'm spinning in circles? Because you're tearing yourself apart. God didn't put that old piece back on you. He took it off. He took those things off of you. Once you've been washed... You can't mix something that is not clean. 2 Corinthians 5 and 17, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Everything else is gone. All things are made. Proclaim it. I'm a new creature. I want you to, no, no, no. I don't want you to say it. I want you to proclaim it. I am a new creature. I'm not putting on the old creature. I'm not going back because I miss pieces of the... Oh, come on, somebody now. Come on now. I want you to stand up and proclaim it. I am a new creature. If you are. If you ain't, that's fine. Stay seated. But I am a new creature. I won't piddle with that old stuff. I am a new creature. I am a new creation. I have been changed. I have been washed. I have been redeemed. I have been saved. And I will not go back. I won't turn back. I won't go back to the mess I used to be in. I won't turn back to those things I used to think I had. I will move forward. I'm new. I'm not who I used to be. I'm not in that mess I used to be in. And I don't want it anymore. 2 Corinthians 6, we're going to talk about distinction. There's a distinct difference between light and dark. And I know that's deep. I know that's deep. There's a difference between light and dark. Simply put. Distinction. 2 Corinthians 6. And what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? For you are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will dwell in them and walk in them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. So this is the last verse of chapter 6. But as we know in the original text, there were no chapters, so we're just going to keep on reading. 7 and 1. Having therefore these promises, 
Dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. So in chapter 6, which is the same thought, chapter 6, we see God talking about separation. We see God talking about cleansing. We see God about distinction. We see him talking about getting away from the cultures of idols, getting away from these, this uh, thing that idols are doing. And then in verse 7, the very, very same breath, he says, having therefore these promises. Right. Promises. What's he, if you're like me, I was lost there. I was in it. I was getting promises. Promises. The word here used for promise is translated epilangiha, which translates more closely to the English word announce or declare. Let's read that again. Having therefore these declarations, having therefore these announcements, if you will. Mm -hmm. Having therefore these announcements, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. The cool thing is we see that same, verse, that same word that is used for promises. We see it again in 1 Peter 1 and 5. This then is the message which we have heard of him and declare unto you. God is light. In him is no darkness. So God's telling us here, don't be passive about your relationship distinction. Don't be passive about, well, I, I'm a Christian on Sundays any other time, I mean, I'll just, I'll see what the crowd says. I'll see, I'll just see how the flow goes. We'll just kind of roll with it if I'm committed or not. God tells us here to live your life in accordance to a declaration of holiness. A declaration of distinction. Something that shouts, I am separate. I am distinct. I am not what I used to be. I am not going out there. I am separate. It's, it's living your life as a declaration. It's, a fun, it's funny that he uses declaration. Not a whisper. Not a small statement. Not a side note. Not a post. A declaration. A consistent declaration that says I'm separate. That says I don't want death. I have life. I don't want despair. I have joy. I don't want all that stuff. I've got peace. I don't want that. I've got healing. I don't want all that. I've got God. I'm not trying to mix who I used to be and where God's taking me to be. Value. Let's talk about your value. A few main things that we'll do when something's valuable to you. Immediately, whenever you're out shopping, whatever you, wherever that is, the mall, Carhartt, wherever, when you're shopping, you see something you have to have. You immediately sign a value to it. You go to pick up that thing. You're like, man, I really like that handkerchief. You go pick it up. You flip it over and look at the price tag because you've, already, you've, got, a, you've got a number in your head that says, I'll pay this for it. I'll pay a dollar for it. You flip it over. It's 10 bucks. No, thank you. You're stepping away. That's, it. That's the first thing we do when we see an item we must have. You assign a value to it. Pastor Timothy may see something, and he's like, man, that's worth 100 bucks." And I see it, I'm like, that's worth 5 bucks." That's the cool thing. That's, that's the really cool thing about this section, about where we're going. It doesn't matter who it is. It doesn't matter. The, the thing doesn't change. The perspective changes of the worth. Secondly, you purchase it. 
if the price is right, you purchase it. Hebrews 12 and 2. For the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. That's the price. And he, he bought it. He didn't even think twice. He saw me. Here's the cool thing. He saw me over here when I was in death, when I was in a mess, when I was entangled with a lot of things I ought not have been. He died for me here. He didn't die for me over there. He died for me here so I can get over there. He died for me in a mess so that he can bring hope. He died for me when I was hopeless so there could be hope. He died for me when I was absolutely just a wreck so that he could straighten things out. He died for me when there was no hope in me so there could be hope in me. Is anybody thankful for it this morning? That's the price that was on you. And he did it. That's what you're worth. And that's what he paid. God has made you valuable. He's made you valuable. We're talking about perspective. That's the important thing. It doesn't matter what people at work say about me. It doesn't matter what people in passing say about me. I've already got a value. Well, somebody else says I'm worth five bucks. You believe that if you want. God said I'm worth blood. God said, I'm worth stripes. He said, you're worth stripes. He said, you're worth pain. He said, you're worth every single thing. First, you assign a value to it. Secondly, you purchased it. Now that it's yours, you purchased it. He's purchased me. He's purchased you. Now what do we do? Now what do we do? You protect it. You protect it. Think about the most valuable things that you have. You have them in places that are protected. If you have a garage, you pull your car in the garage to protect it. Everything in your house is protected by a roof. Everything that you have is protected in one way or another. Psalms 33 tells me that God is our help and he is our shield. He's my shield. When something comes up and I need help, I throw my shield up. Because there ain't nothing breaking through that shield. That's God showing me, showing you, I want to protect you. I want to protect you from those darts that come in. I want to protect you from those things that feel like they keep creeping in from way back when. I want you to throw up your shield. Isaiah 9 and 4, for thou hast broken the yoke of his burden and the staff of his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor as in the day of Midian. Bishop Walls' commentary on this verse, I'm going to quote it. Victory will come to the people of God over Midian and over every other enemy which has invaded them and beaten them down. Again, the wording in the past tense, still quoting, again, the wording in the past tense is as if it had already taken place. It's already taken place. Judging the future by the past as to what God has done for his people fills our hearts with confidence that victory belongs to the people of God regardless, regardless of outward circumstance. End quote. So you're telling me in Isaiah, he told me in the past tense 
it's already happened, but it ain't happened yet. So God, I don't really, I don't realize, I don't feel victorious. I feel beaten. He told you for that moment in time past, it's going to happen. Before the, your circumstance ever arises, the victory is already there. The power is already there. The assuredness in victory is already there. It's already been placed there. Once you walk into the situation, you just got to open the box. You just got to open that scenario. And God says, hey, this is part of the reason I died. This is part of that price that I paid. It's already there. That's how valuable you are to him. He wants to protect you. He wants to keep you. Purpose. Now we're going to talk about purpose. I want you to look at somebody, give them a high five, and say the turnaround. Now comes the purpose. So we talked about your purity, making sure materials are pure. We talked about the distinction, making sure the materials are distinct. Making sure we talked about your value so that you know you're valuable. Now we're going to talk about the purpose. Because why would God do all this if he didn't have a purpose? Why would he do all? Why would he purchase me if he didn't have a plan for me? Why would he purchase you if he didn't have a plan for you? He brought you here because he's ready to use you. He's been refining you. He's been molding you. He's been preparing you. And now there's a purpose. Stand with me, please. 1 Peter 2 and verse 9. But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people, that you should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Now notice the distinction here. The distinction. There's a distinct line. It doesn't say he helped you come to yourself. It didn't say he helped you make the best of who you are. It says he brought you out of darkness into his light. He took you out of, the, out of the situation. He took you from a place where you were a mess. Let me say that. He took me from a place where I was a mess and brought me to a place where I was put together. He took me from brokenness to wholeness. He took me from brokenness to healing. He took, oh God, somebody needs this right now. Verse 10, which in time past were not a people. There's a time I was not a people. Sometimes I feel like I'm still not a people but are now the people of God. I want you to just pound your chest and say, I am a people of God. Whew. There's times where I wasn't, which had obtained mercy, had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained it. There's a time I wasn't where I am now. And there's a time that I was in a mess. There's a time when I was lost, but God paid it, so now I'm found. And again, it doesn't matter how you feel. The outward circumstance doesn't make any difference to his power, to his plan. I once was confused, but now it's all clear. I once was, was lost. I once was entangled. I once was in despair. I once was filling the blank for whatever it makes for you. But now, I'm victorious. Now, it don't have a hold on me. Now, it doesn't matter. Now the circumstance doesn't matter because I serve the king that made the circumstance and he made the victory in time past for the future to come. I wouldn't in my notes. That was, I don't, yeah. So God made it happen. There'll be pieces of you. I'll, I'll warn you right now. There will be pieces of you that try to creep back in. 
As soon as you leave this building, as soon as you wake up for work tomorrow, there'll be pieces that come in. Man, you know that guy was, <laughs> you know Dylan wasn't telling the truth. You know he's a mess. You know that's not truth. You remember, you made, come on, come on back. Come on back to the way it used to be. Come on back to fun. Come on back. All that distinction, value, purpose stuff, that's just, that's, that's too constricting. That's keeping you from what you could be, keeping you from all this fun, keeping you from all this stuff where we could be going. It's going to happen. I will, I will assure you that it's going to happen. In your perspective area, something's going to try to come back and talk to you, try to get back in your thought process, try to get back in your mind, try to get back in your heart. If you're wanting to clear some things out in your life today, it's been getting in the way. If you feel like you've been praying and your prayers of hitting a ceiling, if you feel like you're trying to move forward and you just don't know where to go, you're praying, God, I just don't know what to do. I just don't know how to handle this circumstance. And I just feel like I'm being torn apart. I just feel like I'm, I'm in the middle of this, this struggle. I'm in the middle of this tug of war with life, with death, with you, with sin, with where I'm going, with where I've been. I encourage you, make sure that these, your materials are purged. Let's get some materials purged today. I encourage you, this, this is open. This is open. If you want to purge some materials, if you don't, that's fine. But if you do, if you want to purge some materials, if you're looking at yourself and you're like, man, there's some things that have been getting in the way, come, come up here. Tell God about it. God, I want you to take some stuff out of me. God, there's some stuff getting in the way. There's some stuff that's been messing up your plan. There's some stuff that's been distorting the makeup of who you made me to be. There's some stuff that's been distorting my value. There's some stuff that's been confusing my purpose. There's some stuff that's been going on. God, I don't understand. I don't understand why this is happening. God, it's because I'm trying to put some pieces of the old cloth on some pieces that have been washed. I'm trying to put some of that old cloth and the new cloth together. God, I'm praying, help me not to seethe your word with sin. Help me not to fuse your word with sin. Don't let me put together what you have designed me to be separate from. Help me to clear my mind. Help me to clear my heart. Help me to take what you are trying to pull out of my life and tear it away, God. Tear it away, Lord. Lord, tear it apart. Take these things that I'm trying to combine with life. Take these things that I'm trying to get distracted by. Take these things that I'm trying to quote unquote enjoy. Take these things, God, that are distracting, that are distorting. Help me, God, to have my materials pure. Help me, Lord, to realize I am distinct. Help me, Lord, to realize I am so valuable in your sight. Help me, Lord, to realize I have a purpose. Help me, Lord, to move forward with that. Not to look back on where I've been, but hold to your purpose. Hold to your future. Hold to what you've made me to be. Thank you for joining us today. We pray you have been encouraged. If you would like more information about Medora Pentecostal Church, you can check out our website at www.medorachurch.com.